Welcome back to another episode of Things My Friends Know. I'm your host, Lisa Lindenfelser, and I'm here to talk with my friends about their passions. In today's episode, we chat with Lee from The Circle Season 2 about his experiences on the show, his work as an author, and what's next in his career. Well, hello and welcome. And we're here today with our extra special celebrity guest, Lee, who is a well-known author, but also more recently known for being on The Circle Season 2. Lee, so happy to have you on the show. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Why don't we dive in and talk a little bit about your time on The Circle, since that has been all the rage lately, since it just released its final episode just a couple weeks ago. It's crazy that it's only been a couple weeks since the final episode released. That is crazy. It feels like it was forever ago. But and you know, the funny thing is, there are so many people that are just getting into it. So um, I don't know if we're going to do spoilers here, but (laughs) warning if we do, because there's some people that are just starting it. But uh, yeah, it's amazing that the finale was just two weeks ago. It feels like ages ago, actually. Yeah, it, it really does, especially even for me as a watcher as well. I'm sure for you, it feels like even longer since I know they probably recorded at least a few months ago, I'm assuming. Yeah, actually, it was in um, it was last year that we recorded. So we had to be we had to be super quiet. I mean, it was it was like we weren't allowed to tell anybody. I, I of course, told my husband and my mother who live with us, but everybody else, it was like I felt like I was a CIA agent, you know, because (laughs) they were like, do not tell anybody. So, you know, and I'm I, I, you know, I love Netflix, but I'm also scared of them a little bit. You know, that's totally understandable. Um, You know, one of our favorite shows, RuPaul's Drag Race, when they actually filmed the finale, they filmed like four different versions of the finale. So even the contestants on the show don't know who's going to win before it airs. Was that similar for you on The Circle or did you actually know who was going to win? No, they didn't do four uh, endings. Might not be a bad idea, (laughs) but (laughs) RuPaul, you know, is pretty smart. Uh, but no, we, we knew, uh, we all knew who the winner was for a long time. Uh, we just weren't allowed to tell about it. And in fact, we weren't even, uh, we, we didn't even follow each other on social media. I would sneak in just doing a search, but we did not even follow each other for fear that somebody might, you know, figure it out. So that was, that's what we did. Wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, did you get to at least tell your husband who won? Yeah, I told him because I didn't bring a check home. So, <laughs> you know, he wanted to know for sure. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about your time on The Circle? You know, one of the things that um, Courtney and Savannah in particular have been very vocal about is that we as watchers of the show only see a small portion of what actually goes on behind the scenes. So do you feel like what you actually got to see on the final version of The Circle was representative of what your experience was like? Or were there things that we didn't get to see that listeners might want to know about? Um, for me, it was, it, I think it did represent what I did and what I was showing. Of course, they're, you know, they're filming us 24-7, so there's a lot of content that is just not going to make the show. It's not interesting. <laughs> it's boring. But even some of the chats, I mean, we, I, had, I had some chats. I would say the majority of, of my important chats 
definitely got aired. But there were some chats that I wished, in my opinion, uh, I wish had gotten aired, but they were actually more heart things. They weren't game things. So I, I think uh, the producers knew what they were doing. They were telling a story that was riveting and keeping people engaged. And uh, while I would have probably told more of a, hey, this is how I connected to Courtney on a heart level and Chloe on a heart level, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if that would have made good television. I, I, I think they probably made the right decision. Um, the, the, way, the one that I wish had been aired was um, River, uh, which is me. <laughs> I, I talk about myself in the third person. Uh, when, I had, when we formed the Kardashians. And mm -hmm. that's the only one that I, I wish had been aired. But I think it makes sense anyway how they did it. You know, they, uh, To me, every episode, I was on the edge of my seat and I had lived it. So, you know. Who am I to say? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to think about, you know, all of the work from like a production standpoint that goes into making sure it is um, engaging and exciting for the watchers of the show, um, even if there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes that, that we don't get to see. Yeah, and I would say, you know, really the, you know, the the bulk of the chats really show what happened. I mean, it, I think you can tell as a, as a viewer where things are going, what's going on. The most important chats are, are revealed, in my opinion, you know. I mean, like in the first part of the series, Terralicia and Savannah, that was the most riveting part of what was going on. And it was impacting all of us that were in the circle. So I think they, they showed the most important chats. And I think that's all the way through. I mean, um, you know, they have so much material to select from yeah but uh but i think they did a fantastic job really yeah for sure it definitely was just like you said i was definitely on the edge of my seat for every single episode and every single wednesday when the episodes released so that's definitely for sure and you know filming i've i've read up online uh, there's been a lot of interviews with cast members of the circle in the past not just for season two but for season one and it sounds like filming took about 16 days is that right you know, what a fantastic question. I lost complete track of time. Oh I wish, I mean, I've been asked this several times and I always say, well, that sounds right, but I'm not absolutely positive um, how long we were in there. I know that we were quarantined, but when I went in, it was like, you know, there was definitely sleep and wake, but I lost track of time. I lost track of days. Um, but if my other castmates say that, I will totally agree with them. I won't, I won't swear on a Bible, but I will agree with them. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time to be isolated by yourself, even if you are interacting with people in, you know, a social media type fashion. It's, it's a long time to be isolated in an apartment by yourself. Yeah, and we were isolated before we went on the show because of the quarantine with mm. COVID. So, um, and I think that was... It seems like that was two weeks, but I will tell you, it was it was kind of neat for me because my, you know, I, we had been in lockdown. I live with my husband. My mother also lives with us. And so I, there was no alone time because he was working from home and which was unusual. And so I was like, as a writer, I like alone time yeah. to be able to think and work. And uh, I wouldn't get in any of that. So it was nice to have that alone time for however long we don't, again, I can't swear to how long it was, but it was a, a long time. I really went in thinking I was going to write, you know, I had notebooks and things. I didn't have my computer. They wouldn't let me have that. But I thought, you know, I'll do longhand. It's old fashioned, but I'll do that. I didn't do any of that. I read books. I watched a little Netflix. I, you know, I just enjoyed the downtime. 
I guess, from being in lockdown. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially because, you know, the filming is actually done in the UK. So you actually got to be in a new place too. And like a, kind of experiencing a new place. Of course, you weren't going out or doing anything like that. But at least it was a new environment. It was kind of interesting, especially in my, and now not in the, in the uh, filming apartment. I didn't get to really look out. You really don't see anything. The, they have the glasses is all uh, frosted. Oh, but wow. in my, in my uh, quarantine apartment, I, I was not allowed out, of course, but I would look out the window and I, I, and I was kind of in the center city uh, center of the city. And I would, I made stories cause I would see the same people, you know, coming and getting on the bus and everything. And so I had all kinds of stories I was making. And there was an office building. I would look in and, uh, this, this one girl kept going into this one guy's office. Well, I had a whole love story in my mind, you know, but that's the writer <laughs> in me, you know? So I would, I'd have my coffee every day, look out the window and see, Oh, there she goes. Oh, she's wearing red. Okay. You know, so I had a whole story. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, I mean, I'm sure that was a good space for you creatively too, because I think sometimes like having your own space and being, you know, like kind of in a private time, like allows your brain to kind of like work through, especially if you have like writer's block or something like that. Um, it kind of gets the creative juices flowing. Absolutely. I think that's true. I, um, I, I like, I like those moments where you can really just, you're not really working on any project, you're kind of, which I'm always working on a project, but it's sort of a downtime so that you can let your brain kind of just play for a little bit, your creativity play, and uh, build kind of all those spices and, and uh, products that you can pull for your next work. Yeah. So yeah, it's fun. For sure. Well, before we get too far, for those who haven't seen The Circle, you know, if you haven't, definitely go watch. But how would you explain The Circle? I think, Lisa, the best way to, because I watched the first season and I thought I understood it. And then I went in and I went, oh, well, I don't really understand this at all. <laughs> but I would say it's it's really an, a, a game about social media and how that how do individuals connect via a text environment, which we're all doing all the time, especially COVID related. We've all kind of had to change how we communicate and how do those relationships form at the end. And then they throw in Netflix throws in a hundred thousand dollars at the end of this. So it kind of uh, heats up the uh, intensity, but I think that's really what it is. It's a game about social media and how we all navigate it. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, one of the most important parts of the show is that each player gets to rank from one to, you know, however many players are in the game at the time, since that fluctuates, um, like who your top players are. And there's a lot of strategy that goes into that game as well, because especially with the finale, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, stop now and come back later. Um, you know, I think for you in particular, you were so popular with um, everyone and Chloe as well was very popular with everyone. Everyone. And I think that people were very strategic and they were like, well, everybody loves River. So I'm going to put River toward the bottom of my ranking. And that obviously impacted your ability to win the game. I think, yeah. And spoiler, yes, I'm going to spoil here. So <laughs> turn off um, me winning that super secret influencer yeah. showed where I was in everybody's mind going in. But that the $100,000 wasn't on the line at that point. Yeah. Then we go to the next rate ranking and everybody's like well 
I put him high and, you know, I think we can't do that. I think it's absolutely fair. That's how the game worked. I voted with my heart at the end because I was, uh, they don't show again, talking about how much they show. I really was like struggling. I, I, you know, talking out loud, how, what I should do and should I be strategic, blah, blah, blah. And I, at the end of the day, I just, I was like, you know what, if everybody else is, I'm just going to vote with my heart. That's what I came to. I thought, this is how I'm going to do it. Maybe wrong, um, but I'm I'm glad I did, and I'm thrilled with who won. I think she's amazing and incre- and uh, and played the game masterfully. Yeah, I mean she really did. You know. Yeah, and it was interesting too because Trevor, that's her name in the game. She was one of the catfish, um, and she ended up winning. Um, Delisa, I think, is her name in real that's life. That's correct. Um, she really only had one, of course, that we saw like one, like mix up where I was like, oh, they might be able to figure out that she's a catfish because she applied the makeup in the makeup challenge so beautifully that I was like, if she was really a man, I would be super impressed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was an interesting moment. I think, I think Jack, uh, who was playing Emily Mm -hmm. was so bad. It kind of changed where she was but i've i've kind of thought about at least a little bit we we really do have these specific gender roles that aren't necessarily true and i think in in future seasons what we're going to see is that's going to be turned on its head but when you're playing the game you're looking at every little minutia detail saying okay does that mean something because i can i that i can take advantage of and so uh but i do think in the future there are men who can there's fantastic makeup artists that are men so i think and 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 there are women who know sports because you know people got on emily about knowing too much about sports so um (laughs) I think we're all going to, I think in future seasons, we're going to kind of see, hey, this is going to be an interesting uh, experiment, you know, how we do that. Yeah, I mean, and that's a really great point. I mean, we mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race earlier, which of course is um, people who are dressing up as drag queens, um, typically of the opposite gender of which they actually are in. Um, So yeah, that's a great point. I think, you know, in life, sometimes we rely on stereotypes to make assumptions out of people. And it sounds like what you're saying is that the show is actually opening the door for people to see that these stereotypes or tropes that we have in our head are not always going to apply to every scenario that we experience. I agree. I, that's exactly what I'm trying to say, because um, I, I think my makeup, you know, I'm a guy. Yes, I'm a gay man. I really don't do a, a, apply makeup. I don't use makeup much, um, but I thought I did a pretty good job. I, you know, <laughs> in fact, Jonathan Van Ness said I came to slay. So I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But I do think I think gender um, gender roles and the old stereotypes we, we rely on them too much. And I, I hope that what happens with the circle is that we show, hey, you can be fluid, you can be all kinds of things, and uh, don't, don't rely on those old, old uh, images that we've all kind of relied on. Yeah, it definitely requires all of us to acknowledge that there are a lot of biases that we've learned just by existing in this world and being raised, whether we were raised in a good environment or not, even just being at school and interacting with other people. There are all of these things that come into our brain that we have to acknowledge, like just because that's the first thing that jumps in my brain doesn't mean it's the right thing. 
Yes, absolutely. We're getting kind of deep here, aren't we, on this podcast? I like it. <laughs> That's typically how we go. <laughs> oh, good, good. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and you know, I know we're going to talk about your work that you've done as an author because even before being on the circle, you are an author of many, many books, um, which I honestly didn't know until I started, you know, looking into you a little bit more after the show aired. Um, and I think one of the things that's really great about the work that you do as an author is a lot of it really focuses or maybe all of it really focuses on the LGBTQ community plus uh, I know there's a lot more letters that come after right. that. QIA yeah yeah it's all good <laughs> big tent big tent. <laughs> yes um, and you know I think it kind of goes along the same lines like I personally read about half of your book so far I will finish it of your new book Gabe's Story um, and it really challenges us challenges us to think about you know the struggles and experiences that people have before like even on the outside without having known that person yeah i i um and and yes uh, especially under the chris cook name which i've kind of taken back over as lee swift i wrote a lot of gay romance i actually have books that are not listed that are it's super secret because um, i wrote uh, erotic romance for women uh, very hetero type stories. Mm -hmm. That's really what um, started my novel career. Um, a friend of mine, Shayla Black, is uh, now a New York Times bestselling author. And we worked in corporate America. I had been writing with my sister um, screenplays and plays. And wow. uh, unfortunately, we, we were about to break. We had some meetings set in LA, things were starting to happen, people were interested, we'd won some contests. And unfortunately, uh, before we left, she died, was in, I think it was 2003, October, we got the, the meetings. But by December, she had been diagnosed with cancer, and I lost her about 18 wow. months later. So I stopped writing screenplays and plays, you know, completely, because I was a collaborator. But then um, Shayla and I, a few years later, we started, we were at the same company, we were talking, we meet every week because writers, even though you stop writing, it's still in your heart. And so we talk about writing and she was writing all these romance novels. Well, she told me, she said, you need to write an erotic romance, Lee. And I said, well, I'm a gay man. What would I know about writing an erotic <laughs> romance for women? She said, just write it. You know, she just stayed on me. Finally, I wrote it she, with her help and it got published the first thing I wrote. And that kind of took me on a whole thing. That's a pen name that I am contractually not allowed to share. I haven't written any of those books in uh, probably five or six years because mm -hmm. I wanted to move into the, uh, like you were saying, Lisa, the LGBTQ arena because that was my heart. And uh, I know the struggles. I will tell you after being on the show, I've gotten at least 25 young people that have said they came out after seeing me on the show. Wow. And then reams and reams of other LGBTQ people and even uh, straight people that saying, you have shined a light into this world. I, you're making me see people differently, even myself. And so that's just been, I mean, I, I was hoping I would touch a few and, and it's just all around the world. So I'm so honored to be able to be somebody to hold up that light and show that, hey, you can have a fantastic long life and a happy life as a, as in your own truth. So um, I'm happy about that. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I try to do in the stories. You know, like Gabe's story. You're talking about Gabe's story. Um, it's kind of I base my works on people I know are you know they're amalgams of things, and then I expand on that and do a little research. And uh, foster care, I had 
learned from some people uh, that had been in foster care. Uh, in fact, from season one, Miranda was mm -hmm. in foster care. I've talked to her a little bit about that. And so, you know, the struggles that they have. And then as an LGBTQ kid, how does that how does that impact you as you move into adulthood? So um, and that's that's where Gabe's story came from. Yeah, and and it's a great story. It touches on a lot of really important things like, um, you know, drug overdose, not ruining it for anybody that happens in the first 10 pages. Yeah. Um, right. So definitely still encourage you to read the book. Um, you know, losing parents, um, especially, you know, Gabe was estranged from his father, at least as far as I am in the book so far, and doesn't even know who he is. And some of the people that he interacts with when he's in the foster care system, they have gotten kicked out of their homes because their foster parents find out that they're gay and they're either a pastor or like whatever for whatever reason don't you know feel comfortable with that and kick people out and and I think that's such an important story for people to hear about because like you know I think we think that you know the problems are solved that people can be out and be gay and everything's great and hunky-dory but in reality there's still a lot of trauma out there for people who are in the gay community we live in a heteronormative world, yes, like it or not. It, 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 that, is, that is the reality we live in. And most gay young people, even like me, I mean, the world is different. I, can marry, I married my husband in 2014 in New York, and then it became legal in Texas a year later. But think about it. We got together in 1988. So yeah. we had all that time that we weren't illegally allowed to marry. So, um, so that's a really short amount of time. But in the world, in, in different places, there are kids in the United States, for sure, that still struggle coming out to their parents, that they fear being kicked out and would be. Um, but around the world, there's people they fear for death. Yeah. In the trans community, we've had so many, we've lost so many beautiful trans men and women in the last, you know, it continues on getting murdered. So there's, there's so much work to be done. And um, it's, uh, and, and we continue on, you know, showing light that there is ways, be safe, you know, whoever, whatever young person may be listening to this, be safe first, and then find your way because there is, there is goodness out there, there are, is community. That's the thing about being on the circle that really woke me up was social media is a place where people can find like mind. You feel alone. I, you know, yeah. most gay, go, gay kids are in families where their parents are both straight. That's just yeah. the norm. You know, there is some that aren't, but most, the vast majority. So they don't have any examples, a lot of them around them. And so um, you can find people that can help you through the coming out journey. It's a journey. And so um, that's, that's what I found about social media. I was so fearful, Lisa, of social media before coming on the show. I, I had social media presence. It was really like, here's my book, go buy my book. And <laughs> more like advertising, that's all I did. But then going through the circle, I realized you can make real heart connections with people. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's what I got out of it. Yeah, I, and that's amazing. It it definitely takes me back to the early days of the internet when I was a teenager personally, um, and like AOL Instant Messenger, chat rooms online, which were totally anonymous, was just a huge part of like what I personally grew up with. And yeah, it's it's crazy to think that like some of those people, like I'm not in contact with any of them now, but like I never met them. Like I never knew if they truly were who they really were. But at the same time, I was still able to like make connections and find common ground with people, you know, that I barely knew anything about. Yeah. And how many people do you know that 
are now married that met online. Yes. That did not exist, you know? So I just, uh, yes. Is, are there things with all these platforms that can be scary and bullying and everything? Absolutely. We all have to, as a, a collective, monitor that, report it, block people. Yeah. Um, but there's so much goodness with the tool that um, I just think that's that's what I'm focusing on is is the connections and building bridges with people and you know having discussions with people that differ in in their opinions about things you know let's let's have honest uh, fair discussions and uh, let's let's bring humanity together you know there's so much violence and hate in the world I think if we use these tools like you're using your podcast just to make it a little better. How can we brighten people's worlds and make them have a better experience? That's that's my goal. That's my charge, you know, and that's what I'll be doing as best as I can. You know, and I think you've already done such a great job of that already, um, not only in all of the books that the, you've authored, but also in the circle as well. Like you've really expanded your circle, pun intended, of um, people that you can influence and, and help see that brighter side of the world, especially for those who have gone through such traumatic experiences. I, I, I have the, the platform that the circle and Netflix has given me. Um, I was not, I did not realize what it, how big it was going to be. I knew it was a big show, but I just didn't realize. I, I don't know why ignorance. I'm old. I don't know about <laughs> social media, but it's amazing. I mean, you know, I had like a hundred, I think 109 followers on Instagram and, and as of this uh, this interview, I think I have one hundred nine thousand, you know, wow. in just in like four weeks. So yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. I'm I'm in awe of it, and I also feel the weight of responsibility of it too. So yeah, you know, thinking a little bit about the circle and how your your um, social media circle has expanded, especially because you weren't really allowed to tell a lot of people about your time on the show. Like how is like your friends and family like reacted to you being on the circle season two? That's such a good question. Well, let's just put it this way. Steven and I are, have always been pretty social with our friends and mm -hmm. we have a pretty wide group of friends. Thank God we were in COVID because they would have figured it out. You know, we, <laughs> you know, where is Lee? Why, what's, why is he missing? You know, and actually while I was gone, we had a few phone, Stephen had a few phone calls because we had zoomed with friends during lockdown and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he said, Oh, he went to his dad's, you know, his dad needed something. And so he went to his dad's. So um, that's how we were able to keep the, the, the lie going, but um, <laughs> it's been really great. The support of my, you know, close friends and family has been amazing. They're, they're so happy for me. And um, I'll tell you a story that was fun. I went to, my hometown of San Angelo, Texas, which is about a hundred thousand people. And for Mother's Day, also to see my dad who who was in the hospital. And we went for Mother's Day dinner at a restaurant and my sister had not made reservations. So we walked up and they said, uh, well, it's gonna be at least an hour, you know? And we had gone early, I think it was 11, 15 or so. Mm -hmm. We thought, oh my gosh. So, uh, but the little girl behind the, the counter, her eyes got really big seeing me and I had a mask on. So I thought, nah, there's no way she knew who I was. <laughs> well, we walked outside to wait. And five minutes later, your table's ready, Mr. Swift. <laughs> and then I walked in and several of the of the staff came by to get pictures and stuff. Aww. So that was uh, that was a fun moment of feeling like a celebrity 
you know, even though I don't, saying it even seems strange to me. I still think it's a strange thing. 15 minutes of, I'm, I'm about seven minutes through my 15 minutes of celebrity. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I mean, enjoy the perks for as long as they come at you because you definitely deserve it. Thank you. I will do that for sure. <laughs> so, um, you know, kind of going back to the circle a little bit more, um, one of the things that I noticed personally watching the show is that everybody, for the most part, was taking very detailed notes a, a lot of times when the interactions were happening. And you in particular, you had actually like drawn a picture of each of the people within the circle. So, you know, how did you keep track of like all of the different conversations you were having? And you talked a little bit earlier about like overanalyzing every single interaction. How did you keep yourself organized and figure out what you were doing in terms of your relationships and alliances with others? You know, I had a notebook and I, you'd think as a writer, I would have wrote a lot of notes, but I ended up because I am kind of a visual person anyway. Um, I decided to draw those pictures and then also all the arts and crafts I did, the little ducks and the catfish <laughs> and the suns and the storm clouds. I put it in every room because I, on the screen, the circle would come up. Mm -hmm. uh, but it would, I wanted to see their pictures. I wanted to be reminded and be thinking about what was going on. So I, I had visual cues in every room uh, for me. And that's how I did it. You know, who, who's on, who am I aligned with? What are they thinking? And I would move them around. I don't know if you noticed that I would move. Okay. This person is, is moving behind, you know, Trevor. Oh my goodness. I'm worried about Trevor. So Trevor <laughs> would move to a further part of the cabinets or, or different on the, on the wall in the bathroom, et cetera. So that's, that's how I organize it. And then I would write little notes that not all you, you may not have been seen yeah. you know, be able to see on it. The funny thing about the the pictures that I've drawn drawn, um, I've turned it into a t-shirt business. <laughs> and that's why I have merchandise. And I'm just shocked at how many people are so excited to it's to buy these shirts, sending me pictures. So it's so fun. They're tie-dye, you know, or white. And it's just <laughs> my little drawing. So it's been really fun. And so um just for the fun.co if anybody wants a t-shirt that's that's where you can get it we will definitely look it up you know um you you reminded me with all of the drawings um i have seen you post on instagram lately about the river shirt in particular because you were playing a catfish you were playing someone you know named river um how is how has river handled all of this um attention i'm assuming people are starting to recognize him just like they're starting to recognize you yeah, he's got about thir almost 13,000 followers now. And wow. we he and I are going to do an appearance together for a meet and greet this Saturday at a yoga studio. So uh, yeah, he's he's thrilled. He's gotten modeling people contacting him because he has such a fantastic look. And he's also an actor. I knew him, you know, he he's been acting even as a kid here. His mother runs a theater group here. And I met him through a photographer friend of mine. But he's he's mega talented and so charming and fun and and has so much more fashion sense than I do. You know, <laughs> I think I think he needs to style me or something. <laughs> hey, you could definitely make that, you know, an Instagram live video. I would definitely watch that. <laughs> OK, maybe we. that's a good idea. I may have to do that for sure. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So. 
one of the things that you've mentioned online, you've done, you know, like several interviews, several podcasts as well. But one of the things that you've talked about in particular is that you're very close with your circle castmates, even after, you know, the show has aired um, and and people have been watching it. So um, do you still talk to them almost every day? Yes, almost every day. We have a group chat that we all are in. And that one kind of will get really hot for a little bit and then die down. I mean, we, I think we all post there about every other day or so. And then I have individual calls or text messages with all of them. And in fact, even season one, I've become close to many of them uh, and have and actually may have talked to all of them, I think, because we went out to L.A., Stephen and I, I got to meet Lance Bass, which oh was very exciting. And he is as charming as I thought he would be. His husband's amazing, <laughs> mega talented artist. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been amazing, amazing experience. That is amazing. I know, uh, especially um, Lisa, who was playing Lance Bass as a catfish in the show. Um, you know, I know you guys had talked about you actually getting to meet him. So that's so exciting that it finally occurred. Yeah, and in fact, I met him in person. But before that, Lisa has started her own podcast. I think it's called LOL with Lisa. And, and I was her first guest. Well, she was sitting there and she was talking, oh, what do you, how are you going to act when you first meet Lance and blah, blah, blah. And what do you think about him? And just kept, kept baiting me. And then all of a sudden he shows up on the screen <laughs> and says, hi, Lee. And I was like, oh, you know, I got red faced. It, it was really fun. It was really oh fun. Yeah, um, that's her debut episode. So I was <laughs> I was proud to be part of it. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Well, I'll definitely have to check that out as well. Um, you know, knowing that you have stayed close to not only your castmates in season two, but also kind of gotten to know season one castmates as well. Um, who do you feel like you chat with the most or have become the closest with after all of this has been said and done? <sighs> wow, that's, you know, I feel close. I feel a heart connection to all of them especially my cast, but even season one, Joey and Chris. And, and Chris lives here, so I would say he's one. Kat lives here. I mean, she's a bestie for sure. Uh, but I feel very close to Courtney and Chloe. I guess it's the Kardashian thing. <laughs> um, I talk to Courtney more than Chloe. Chloe's very, very busy, but but it's so funny. She and, she'll all of a sudden pop in, you know, it'll be like, four or five days have gone by and then she'll send me a voice message and just, you know, just the love just spews out of her. She's an incredible person and uh, a superstar in my mind. But yeah, I would say Courtney, Chloe, Kat, uh, Chris, it's all that cuss sound. I guess if that has a cuss sound, I, they're on my team. <laughs> uh, Delisa too. I will say Delisa and I talk uh, every, every day and she's helping me, you know, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and she's helping me get that all underway, a podcast YouTube channel. So she's she's amazing. And what a great, great person. Her husband's amazing. She's going to have that new baby and her little baby now, the little toddler Tony's incredible. But, but yeah, they're all Savannah. See, I want to call the role because they're all <laughs> so good. Savannah has checked in on me so many times. Mitchell has been a big cheerleader. I'm going to say them all, you know, I just, I'm going to do it. I, I can't help it. You know, <laughs> they're just great. Brian, Brian and I, um, he was in Costa Rica. And even though he's in Costa Rica, we we've talked almost every day. So, um, 
I, I want to say them all, you know, Tara Leisha, all of them. I'll say them all. They're yeah. all great. I mean, that's amazing, honestly, because like, especially because the show, you know, it is hyped up to have like the drama and like the the backstabbing, not too much of that. But like there there is some element of, you know, it's still being a reality TV show. So it is amazing to see that despite all of that, like that you guys have actually really come together and built this like bond and this friendship, because that's definitely something I wouldn't have expected coming out of the reality TV show. You know, I, I think it's unique. I, and I want to mention Jack, who is incredible, too. I was thinking, who did I miss? I think Jack. <laughs> I hope I didn't miss anybody else. But um, yeah, it's truly, um, I know a lot of reality TV shows. I, I don't know what happens when the cameras are off, you know, and when the show closes. But this one, I, I, it absolutely feels like this, the entire franchise, both seasons, we all just feel feel connected and maybe that's the social media positive that that the show is saying that you can really connect through text messages and and especially if you're being authentic and even as a catfish i think i was being authentically me uh, playing a catfish i think the same with delisa as trevor um even jack as emily and 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 lisa and jack as john i think we all you who you are still comes through, yeah. even though you're you're playing a fictitious person. And so I think at the end of the day, if you're if you're being real with people and you're vibing with people, that's going to continue on after the game. That's amazing. You mentioned um, when you were chatting about that that you're getting ready to start a YouTube channel and a podcast of your own. So tell us a little bit. You know, like Gabe's story was released semi recently, and of course that's a book that you've written. What do you, what else do you have on the horizon? Like what's coming up for you? <laughs> Well, I'm I'm drifting back to screenplays and teleplays, to be oh, honest, no. as far as the writing part. Um, I've got an idea. Uh, I've talked to a producer friend of mine, Gina Goff, who is who did uh, just did finished a film. Well, finished. It's it's out. Senior moments with William Shatner and Christopher Lloyd and uh, Gene Gene. Um, oh, gosh, smart. And uh, so I. I, uh, I've got an idea. I'm kind of talking to her, another friend of mine, Kurt Soderling. He's a, he's a director. And so we're, I, we're thinking about coming up with something we've had, we've had ideas together, uh, and worked on things together, but we think we're going to go pitch again to Netflix and other outlets to see if we can't get, get something going. You know, I, I, I love that, that field. I am going to write, um, River Story. Uh, but uh, writing a novel is, is uh, I don't have the time right now, to be honest. There's so <laughs> many interviews, so much going on. Uh, I have written some notes about it. I kind of know what I want to say about River, who is AKA 24-year-old Lee with some, you know, fictionalized plot. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I, I want to write that novel and I hope to get it done this year. That's my goal. I we'll mean, see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> That's a great goal. I um I spent some time in the writing field doing technical writing. I got a degree in English literature. And um the the joke always in that area, which I'm sure extends to you as well, is like you should always be writing. Like and I, I follow these accounts where it's like you should be writing, you should be writing. So I'm sure it's difficult with all of these other things going on to keep it up. You know, one of the best books I ever read was Stephen King's On Writing, which half of the book is biographical and then half of it's practical. And that one of the things he talked about, and I, I won't quote it exactly, but it's basically if you're waiting on the muse 
the muse could be sitting in the corner smoking a cigar and saying, you know, screw you, I'm not going to help you. (laughs) You know, you've got to just start putting words down. And then eventually muse gets out of the chair, peeks over your shoulder and starts whispering in your ear because I write, you know, when I, when I, I've got over 2 million words published and I wrote every day, you know, for hours and a, a lot of it ended up in the trash because I just, because there is, I mean, people call it writer's block, whatever. It's just where you're not creative, but you just keep writing because it helps you with the craft. It helps you with centered structure, all kinds of things, finding your voice and uh, your point of view. And then all of a sudden something great will happen and you'll write something good. But for me, finishing a work is always in the rewrite more than the write. Yeah. It's because the rewrites where you polish and you really, you get the story down and structured the way you need it. That's the heavy lifting. The writing is just, you just trudge through it and get it, (laughs) get something down, a beginning, a middle, an end. And then you come back and say, okay, now, now I will craft this and do my magic, you know, and hopefully it works. (laughs) <laughs> for sure. You know, I, I might have read this somewhere in in Reddit, um, in, deep in the circle conversations. But I remember hearing a rumor that people were hoping that you would write like either a book or something about your experience on the circle. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me about that. And I'm like, I don't, I can't figure out a, um, um, how to make that a, a profitable thing. Yeah. Because I don't really have a hook, you know, for me, I always have to have sort of that hook that's going to grab people. The thing that I'm really thinking about writing, and this is a, this would be a nonfiction book. Cause I think that's what people want is the experience in the circle is uh, about coming out. Mm. I really am. I really am because I've had so many messages from kids that have come out, some that can't come out or struggling with it. So I am really thinking about if I do a nonfiction work, that's what I think I'm going to do. But uh, the circle, the sal- it may still happen. It's just, <laughs> I, you, you know, you probably know this, Lisa, as a writer. Sometimes you just, you have to have that spark and I don't quite have it yet. Now, something may trigger it, but I don't, I don't have the angle that I think would work for that yet. But I think there's a lot of people that are interested in it. So I may change my mind, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, it may even be able to just inspire you for another fiction novel. So even if it's not exactly about the circle, like meeting someone online and like being able to build that connection, I could definitely see that becoming like a very interesting plot line for a future book. Now that's a, see, maybe that's the spark I've been waiting for. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I thank you for that. I, I will take that. Happy you to may help. you may you may get a little uh, mention and a dedication for that if I do it. That's good. I'll take it. Okay. Uh, that's we just a... had a bunch of thunder, so I hope you don't lose me. Yeah, I oh guess we're gosh. getting into a storm. Yeah, you yeah. really are getting some interesting weather um, in, oh. in Texas right now. Stephen and I on Sunday went to because you know we we try to go and have a little date moment. We've always tried to do that. Mm-hmm. So we went out Sunday and it was raining and we're like, oh, it's raining. And so we're eating at our little taco joint, talking. My mom calls me and said, "You realize flash flooding is happening all over the city. You should get home." And we're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so we we drove home and and it was uh, if we'd waited even a little bit longer, I think we might have had a little trouble. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing you had mom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. She's she's the best. 
So crazy random question out of left field. You have been with your husband since I think you said 1988. What advice do you have for people? Like how do you keep a marriage like good and amazing and going in the right direction? Well, my my advice, you know, every relationship has ups and downs. It just that's uh, and I can say that from the longevity that I have, you know, the things you get tense because you're really even though you're a couple, you're two individuals with two different points of view and, and a lot. Some of them link up and some of them don't. Um, for me, it's it's that we are committed to each other. Um, we always are. are <laughs> he's a, I don't know if you could tell from the home thing. He's he's not a very forthcoming person. You know, <laughs> he and I are very. I like the spotlight. He likes the you know be in the corner. Uh, I like to talk. He's more quiet um, unless he's got a martini or two in him. Then he's <laughs> then I step back and go, okay, go. <laughs> but uh, the thing is. Um, for me, it's just like you have to work things out. You don't let things lie for d too long. You 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 talk it out, and you have to be. Uh, we have communication. Anything, any topic. There's nothing that is not allowed. Everything's allowed because it's us and him. But I will say this, Lisa, because um, I've had people say, um, "Oh, we've broken up." Being in the wrong relationship is worse then, you know, don't, don't stay in a relationship that isn't working. That isn't, yeah. you don't, you know, that's, there's no shame in, 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 in ending something that isn't not working for you guys. So uh, whoever that is, but uh, if, if you see that and you feel that connection and that energy, um, sometimes you got to throw more stuff, you know, have the date nights, have, have moments that are light and silly and fun because we can get into a rut, uh, which Stephen and I have gotten into before. And, and we say, okay, it's time to do something to, to make it fun for us again. So that's, I don't know, that's, that's my two cents worth. If it works for people, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. <laughs> you know, I think that's great advice. I mean, you could even have your podcast be like Life Lessons with Lee. <laughs> I would, I would definitely subscribe to that. I like Life Lessons with Lee, though, although I don't think of myself as uh, wise or anything, but I could, uh, you know, I am trying to come up with a name. That's, that's, uh, I'll throw that in, in the list. <laughs> hey, I'm here to brainstorm with you anytime you need. <laughs> I, I love it. I may be calling you, Lisa. I may be calling you. <laughs> Well, Lee, it's been so amazing to have you on the show and talk about not only your time on The Circle Season 2, but also all of the great work that you're doing in, you know, the authoring community. Um, but before we wrap up, is there anything else you want our listeners to know about you, about The Circle, about all of the things that you've written, anything really? You know, I, I mentioned JFTF on the show, hashtag JFTF. <laughs> yes. And I think it came across as that I was confused or whatever, but it actually is something I did want to get out in the world because every day I try to carve out five to 10 minutes of just fun, silliness, whatever. Cause every day we all have chores, we have work, we have all these things we've got to do. But if you, if you make sure that each and every day you have five minutes to listen to your favorite song, whatever, have a bubble bath, dance in your bedroom, be being silly, whatever, calling a friend that always makes you smile. I think you'll look back on your life and say, wow, that was a life well lived. Because I think we can get too damn serious, to be honest. Yeah. So that's my motto, just for the fun, each and every day. 
That's amazing. Uh, great life advice. And also just thank you again for the energy that you bring and for all of the good and positive things that you're putting out into the world to make it a better place. Lisa, thank you. This has been such a joy. Uh, really, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so and, much. And, and, and to the guy who's your sound man. I'll just say that. And- <laughs> Thank you so much, Lee. You are welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. You guys take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Things My Friends Know. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.